Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 643 recorded live on Sunday, July 12th, 2020. And here are your hosts, the man who uh, was up last night just for normal things, Dave Play. Hey! And the man who was uh, up last night out at a transmitter site, Andy Lowe. Hi. Didn't we talk last week about how, because of all the modernization and, like, automation and remote control, that you don't need to go to the sites? Yes, but, um, so... Like, uh, literally last week, that was a, a five to ten minute long discussion. Y- yes, but, so, um, so yesterday, uh, actually, was basically called in three times for work. Uh, the first time is we're, we're getting a new software upgrade. Mm-hmm. So I went in and preloaded it on all the, the markets. I could have technically done that from home, but then I would have had to log into a VPN, upload it from here, and then log back out, log back into another VPN, upload it. It, it would have taken forever and a, a day. Internet. Well, uh, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. Although... I, I do wonder if it still would have been faster than driving to the market. Well, I just drove to the Kalamazoo building because it's already got the VPNs connected okay, to all the markets. Then you're already, yeah, you're already VPNed. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, that, that the, Kalamazoo's got a fiber connection that's damn fast. Okay, so fast. you a lot of time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then I guess after I left, came back home, um, it's just sitting here and I get a, I get a text message going, hey, um, did you know 590's off the air? <laughs> you're like... No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Hold on, let me check. And of course, it was off the air, so I drove out to the transmitter site. There was a power outage in the area, and um, the battery that controls the automatic transfer switch was dead, because the the automatic transfer switch gets power from utilities normally, but if the utility power goes off, how is it supposed to switch if it doesn't have power? So there's a a 9-volt battery in there that, you know, controls the, the microcontroller just enough to tell it to switch over to the uh, the generator. Right. Well, the 9-volt battery was dead. <laughs> oh, so, man. So My I, kingdom for a 9-volt battery. <laughs> yeah, so I replaced the 9-volt battery, and I hit the button, and it still doesn't start. So I go out to the generator, and the actual generator, which is like, you know, car engine. Yep. Its battery was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Yeah. So I had to, you know, um, I had to get a wrench, remove the car battery, drove over to AutoZone. They're like, I need a new battery. And they're like, for what car? And I'm like, no, not for a car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just give me a battery about this size. Can be, It can be bigger. I've got, you know, I've got a bigger tray and it can be however tall you want it to be. But I just need something around this size. And he looks at it. He's like, okay, here you go. So I get that all up and running. Everything's working fine. Drive back home. And then around 9.30, I get a... Uh, I get a call from one of the guys at work saying that the remote control unit back at the station is flashing like a Christmas tree. Oh, that's probably not good. No, normally when it flashes by like a Christmas tree, that means it's lost its connection to the remote remote control unit, which was at the transmitter site that I was just at. <laughs> oh, Andy. So I don't I don't know if it's you know if it's a problem at the studio. I don't know if it's a problem with the RF link. I, you know, I don't know what the problem is. So I just basically just, you know, load up my car to the gills, drive back out to the transmitter site. And the remote remote control unit is a brick. It's just dead. So I'm like, well, that's great. Can't get yeah. power. And then, but luckily, um, one of the guys I contract with had brought another one of the remote control units out to test this new relay system that he was working on. So I had a spare box sitting right there. And I'm like, well, shoot, we'll just swap the power supply. See what that does. 
Yeah, there was a, it looks, seems there's an internal fuse in the power supply that blew. So at some point I'll have to take the other one apart, replace the fuse. And then, um, should, yeah, it was, it, I guess when we switched back to regular electricity, it somehow power spiked. That sucks. Yep. That sucks. I, I had my own technical issues this week in the ongoing saga of Dave's internet. <laughs> You ready for this? All right. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, uh, I, had, I had made an appointment with Spectrum because it kept going out that day, right? We recorded last week and like it went out at least once, I think maybe even twice during twice. recording. Yes, tw- two times. Um, yeah, because Andy's like, I know it was twice. I had to patch the audio. Yeah, I, I, so, I just eh, I didn't yeah. really I didn't really patch the audio. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, that's going to be great listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I, I got on the, the chat with... Oh, no. Did you just drop out again? Okay. <laughs> okay. I just love the fact that you're talking about having internet issues and all of a sudden you just that, that, disappear. That was, that was not my internet. I actually was connected the entire time and heard you the entire time. Um, that was something else that I'm not going to say because it's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> okay. So... I get on the the chat with Spectrum instead of calling them because I'm like, I don't want to waste, you know, another hour on the phone waiting for them. Uh, And so instead I get into the little chat thing on their their website. And then as I'm in the chat thing, the Internet goes down. And I'm like, oh, right. (laughs) It came back up and I thankfully was still in line. Like it just didn't register that that I had disconnected or it didn't, it didn't care. I was still in the queue. Uh, eventually I contact them. I'm like, hey, it's still happening. They're like, okay, we'll send a technician out. I'm like, good, great, finally. Um, and then the day before, the technician was supposed to show up on Wednesday. On Tuesday, I get a phone call from Spectrum saying, hey, there was an outage in your area. We just fixed it today. It may have, that might resolve your problems. Do you want to cancel your technician? And I'm like, well, if, if that's what it was, then this person's going to come over here. And like, I have no idea if the internet is back, right? It's an intermittent issue. Mm-hmm. And they want an answer now on the, the like touch tone robot of is your internet back and i'm like i have no idea i would have to wait for like a day or two to find out if it dies i don't want to make this technician drive out here and then like just be like yeah my internet keeps going out and then he'll be like well we fixed it yesterday i don't know why i'm here and i'm like okay so i canceled the technician two hours later it goes out (laughs) i immediately get back in line on the chat thing, because I had seen an option in the chat thing for like, do you want a technician? And I'm like, yes, I want a technician. And then it's like, okay, waiting in line to speak to a representative. I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, long story short, technician got here, looked at the, immediately went down to look at the line coming into the house and said, it's this splitter. Like he pointed to the splitter. He said, that's the problem. I'm like the fuck? Uh, evidently. The signal used to be too strong, and so Spectrum had installed a splitter to reduce the signal volume. Yeah, I could see that. Because it was too strong coming into the house, which is just dumbfounding to me of why would the signal coming into the house be too strong? Uh, So he removed the splitter, and now it works. Because they, they had lowered the strength of the signal, and so it was coming into the house at a good amount, but then the splitter was reducing it, so it was too weak. And so my modem would lose the connection because it was getting too much noise versus signal. 
Yeah, there there is a problem of getting a signal overload. I've seen that happen on um, spectrum analyzers and other equipment. Yep. Where it just yeah. it gets too much and you just it just peaks the the chart and it's it can't do anything. Which okay, fine. But then like, why did the signal change? Why is it not overpowered coming into the house anymore? My guess is because there's more people in your neighborhood who have spectrum now. Then they should let me know. And like, they how did they not see that from their end that my modem would keep like having issues? Because their first step is to replace modem. I did. I know. Then, yeah, no, it would be nice if they actually had something in their tech support system that said, okay, modem just replaced. Flag this modem as a new modem and pay attention to it. And if there's a, you know, multiple connection issue. Right. But like the techs that I was working with were like, I don't see any issues. I, the last time you disconnected was like three days ago. I'm like, no, that's the last time I rebooted the modem. Well, then they're not looking at the wrong, they're they're looking at the wrong part of their log then. That's what they're doing. Yeah. But like, incompetent people who are probably also all working from home and probably underpaid yep and and not qualified for what they're doing because if they were qualified for what they were doing then they'd demand more pay but like i don't want someone who's just reading from a script i want a goddamn technician on the phone did i tell you my charter story where i was on the phone with eight different sales people service people mm, with work yes Yes. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just man, when when Starlink makes its way here, I am fucking signing up. <laughs> I've already got myself <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I got me too. I've, I've got transmitter sites that I'm like, "Yes, please." You know, this transmitter yep. site is 3 miles from the road. Well, cuz you're you're looking at it from like a commercial perspective. Yeah. Yep. I, I just, I'm done with Charter, man. I'm done with Spectrum. I'm th- there's, so... This actually was pissed. pointed out to me, because um, I'm on the uh, the Michigan Association of Broadcasters Engineering Advisory Board. Mm-hmm. I think it was something that I just was complaining about something, and they're like, well, here, advisory meeting, come join us. <laughs> and then I just, I guess I stuck around to lower the average age. <laughs> yep. But yeah, um... We, uh, I was talking with uh, about you know possible conference topics, and we were going to grab the um, the broadcasters from Midland and have them talk about how they reacted to the dams breaking up there. Mm-hmm. Um, because when the dams broke, they lost power, but then they also lost the cell phone towers and all the That's... stuff. All the stuff now is you know the remote broadcast stuff. All the remote broadcast equipment now is all cellular. Um, cellular. Yeah. So what did they do? They they broke out their old RF analog microwave links <laughs> and, and connected they, back to the signal and Yeah, they 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 did it like it was the 1980s all over again. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. And they also, you Good know, that they have like the the know-how to do that and and also the the equipment to do that and like the disaster recovery plan to do that. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of stem off of them and try and do, uh, okay, I think we're calling it what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> and almost basically As, have it, have it almost, I think we're trying to make it almost like a war game scenario. Yeah. Where we have a bunch of engineers at a, in a Zoom roundtable conference meeting and basically just, you know, throw emergency situations at us and just kind of see if you know, you've got something in place to yeah. to take care if, of it. if we have an idea of what we're going to do 
Uh, all right, so let's see. What do you do if... Uh, hmm. So the flood is a big one, but it sounds like you've got that covered. Uh, what about a superstorm? What if there's a thunderstorm that lasts for like two or three days and knocks out power? Well, power is... We, that's the first thing everybody makes sure they have generator backups and... yeah. Because it was just like the the bigger power outage in what two thousand three, where uh, you know yeah. Detroit was off for a couple of days. Detroit, nothing, man. That was the entire like northeastern U.S. Yeah, but no, we we had a meeting with some of the guys from Detroit who were who had talked about the fact that you know yeah they had the generator and they ran a test on the generator, but either a they didn't run the generator under load or b oh, no. they uh, never flushed any of the fuel lines. Oh no! So it had diesel sitting in there that was three to five years old, and it just clogged I, I presume, clogged the yeah. fuel line. Oops! So they had uh, to they had to lug. <laughs> they had to lug like you know those red oh. gas can jugs <laughs> up. Yeah, the, so up to the the generator. Yeah, I, I keep thinking of like Jurassic Park in that case of like manually starting the power. Oh, it's I <laughs> I had to do that with our uh, our transfer switch. It's a big freaking lever. Yep. That I had to crank down once to pop it off of utility because that's you know. Like How? One one inch diameter cabling, copper cabling that's got two forty volts, and I don't even want to know how many amps on it. Hey, Andy. Yeah. How did Jurassic Park power the park? That is an excellent question. <laughs> that was never brought up, was it? The power went down. And and there were backup generators. And there were backup generators. That's that's what they had to do with like running to the shed, and she had to prime the pump, and then throw the breaker switch. But like, what was the legit power source? Of Jurassic Park. Because they would have to have a massive was power it, source. Was it, it wasn't gasoline, right? No. Like, you can't power that type of, of facility on an internal combustion engine. No, it would have to be some sort of actual... Maybe it could have been like natural gas. Maybe that's what they meant when they talked about priming the pumps and, and getting the gas going. I feel like this is... Is there like a Reddit for like movie questions or movie plot holes? I, there, there has to be. <laughs> How did they power Jurassic Park? I don't know. Uh, okay, so what what are some of your doomsday what could go wrong scenarios? Uh, let's see. Okay, so according to the Lost World novel, it was revealed that engine used geothermal power as the source of power in uh, one for of the islands in the book. Site B or for yeah both? for Site B. Uh, geothermal yeah. power, the lazy man's way of powering, the lazy sci-fi writer way of powering a, a system. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, no, we just tap into the heat vents in the earth. Right. So, yeah, uh, because one of the site B is runs on geothermal power, it is assumed that by fans that the main island runs on the same power. The, the island like, was also very volcan- was also a very volcanic island, particularly in the southern region, according to the novel. So which also seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> Yeah. As evidenced in Jurassic World Part 2, right? That's that's the plot of Jurassic World 2. I think so. I haven't actually it's seen the volcano's that going to go. I haven't seen either of the Jurassic Worlds. Okay, the the first Jurassic World was actually a good movie. I liked it. Okay. That's fine. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. Okay. But yeah, no, we're going to try and get um Okay, so doomsday scenario, uh nuclear explosion goes off in the upper atmosphere and an EMP pulse knocks out the effectively the entire power grid for the northeastern US. 
So the 2008 problem all over, or no, 2003 problem 2003. all over. Yeah. Uh, except that in 2003, they managed to shut down the grid fast enough to prevent most of the damage. But and still, EMP yeah, no. pulse would be Run, instant. Running the radio station off of backup power, that's, 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 not, a, that's not a, you know. Okay. Okay. That's not that's not an interesting one. But yeah, no. Have, are, losing losing the, a cellular connection. That well, one. You would lose the cellular connection, Andy. Yeah, I know. In in these scenarios where you lose power, it's not just losing power to the station. You would lose the cellular connection, and potentially you would lose the landlines. If it's a strong enough EMP pulse, the copper cable is going to induce a current. Yeah. Well, there's, ar- there's already a current on landline phone lines. Right, but it's going to induce a much stronger current. Yeah, that's which, is, which will pop most of the equipment on those phone lines. Right. So all the phones are damaged or destroyed. Yep. Well, this is a bright, cheerful start to our episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, about, um, what about an infrastructure attack? Like someone specifically starts targeting communication relays, radio towers. So, uh, Die Hard Four, then I assume so. There was a thing in Die Hard Four. I haven't, I haven't seen any of the Die Hard movies. Um, but no, we actually we talked about that with. Um, I think it was uh, an EAS regional meeting where we were talking with the guys, and they. Um, they were going to run, um, I think with FEMA out of Detroit, they were running tabletop simulations of problems. And the guy came to us and said, okay, you know, give us a plausible scenario of the EAS system going awry so we can't use it. Oof. And what was really scary is how quickly we came up with a very plausible scenario of being able to <laughs> basically take out every single radio station until somebody can physically go there and pull a plug. Really? Yes. I'm scared to ask what that could be. Not not going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is like the, the thing they did on Mythbusters where they're like, yeah, we, we tested this one thing and it turned out to be like super explosive and super dangerous. So we are not broadcasting that episode. Yeah. No, we, uh, it's, it's happened a couple of times accidentally. And so, you know, it's kind of, if people are lackadaisical with their programming, can easily mm. be replicated. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So. Okay. Yup. Well, that's awesome. We can actually segue to a topic if you want to, so we can get off. Yeah. Of- let's let's get off of doomsday scenarios. Well, Starliner. 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 Boeing's crew vehicle that failed its test flight. Yes. Um, had a report done by an independent um, investigator. Okay. And the review team ended their investigation with 80 recommendations for NASA and Boeing to address. <gasps> oh, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. What sort of recommendations did they have? Well, the, the two main ones. Um, Don't use this. <laughs> uh, Boeing divided its test into small chunks instead of conducting a longer one that simulates the whole process from launch to docking. So, so they, they tested each individual piece, but not necessarily that the pieces fit together properly. Yes, because they tested the onboard computer, and that was fine. And they tested yeah. other equipment, that's fine. The problem is the onboard computer time was miscalibrated by 11 hours. Oops. So yeah, so they ran a test, and the test ran fine. The problem is, as soon as they brought the computer in with everything so, else... Oh my god, what did they? what do they call it? Because there's unit testing... 
And then there's like a systemic testing or something workflow testing types of testing integration testing. So they did their unit tests. They did not integration test. Yes. They also didn't test the Starliner software against its own service module. They just used an emulator. I guess it wasn't a very good emulator. Yeah. No, the emulator had a uh, flaw in it and didn't discover a critical software defect that could have led to loss of vehicle. But it didn't get that far in the system because the other one... (laughs) Because the clock was off by 11 hours. Yes. Guys, come on! Oh, that's crappy. And that's, that's pretty crap. Yeah, the um, the other fact was that NASA allowed Boeing to do a lot of testing and certification on itself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, so yeah, while NASA didn't list all 80 recommendations, it enumerated some of the more important ones, such as addressing and identifying simulation or emulation gaps, increasing the involvement of subject matter experts in safety-critical areas, and making organizational changes to the safety reporting structure. So Boeing's got a ways to go. They have to go back... Uh, a little ways and start looking at their process yes not just their product yes which huh (laughs) sounds sounds familiar i'm so thoroughly surprised by this andy (laughs) like i can't imagine why boeing might have had issues with uh with their own product (laughs) can you no, like, I can't this, think... This I, just catches me so off guard. It's like it never happened before. I mean, surely, surely Boeing, of all companies, the great Boeing, the pioneers of American Airlines, like the the uh, strength of the Pacific Northwest, surely they wouldn't have problems like this in other parts of their company. No, none whatsoever. Safety reviews... Uh, self-certifying. No, that notifications that like to other experts. Right. Yeah. Emulator tests. Oh boy. Wow. That's that's not good. Nope. Meanwhile, SpaceX is like, ah, oh, we just launched the same rocket for the fourth time in a row. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, there was supposed to be a launch on Saturday, and that got scrubbed. I was kind of disappointed. Oh, they are. Leagues ahead, like leagues ahead of Boeing at this point. Yeah, they test fire a rocket for South Korean military satellite launch this weekend or this week. Yeah, the the Starlink launch got scrubbed and they put a TBA on that one. My guess is because they want to get the South Korean military satellite up. And so they probably needed to bump the launch window for that one. Yep. I mean, if you make a commitment, you, you go out, want to keep it. Well, that's the Starlink fact that is a you, you, to themselves. You, you only have a certain number of basically launch certificates available. Mm. Yeah. So scrubbing, scrubbing want, a space or a Starlink launch. A Starlink. But I want my internet. <laughs> I know. I know. How soon is Starlink ready? What would they say? They needed uh, 800, they are I above. Think? I think they're above the minimum threshold. For the but it's, U.S.? It's the predicted. Yeah, it's the predicted minimum threshold. Okay. Starlink it also status. depends on where all the ground links are, because it still has to come yeah. back to a ground location. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole infrastructure that they would need to build on the ground. Until they get the laser communication set up. You heard about that part of I, it, right? No. Uh, these are version one of the satellites, which do not have... Uh, what Elon Musk was talking about, about having lasers so the satellites could communicate with each other. Okay. So right now, it's just an up and down. 
So it goes up to the satellite and then goes back down to wherever this ground station is located. But in, if in, they had communications in, within the satellites, yes, they could go from up to a satellite over to another side, other over to another, and then back down or however far they need to go. Right. So it could go around the world very quickly. Yes. Lasers. Freaking laser have beams. Autonomous collision avoidance. Because that doesn't sound like a James Bond villain thing. <laughs> Everything about these these satellites makes it sound like it's out of a James Bond villain like movie plot. Well, you saw Kingsman, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Satellite sound. Hold on. Let me call up Elon. <laughs> but I think in Kingsman, he didn't call Elon. He called Jeff Bezos. He called Bezos? I thought he called Elon. I'm pretty sure he called Bezos. Let's see. In the movie Kingsman, who is the E that Valentine calls to borrow the satellite? Oh, it's an E? Yes. Oh, that's got to be Elon. Yeah. So. So in approximately uh, an hour and 40 minutes, Ubisoft is going to have their E3 replacement online spectacular. Sorry, say that again. I was reading about Kingsman. Um, the Ubisoft Forward event, their E3 okay. replacement. Yeah, it's going to be happening at three o'clock today. Well, three p.m. Eastern. Ah, I wonder if they'll address the elephant in the room. The fact that a several high-level executives leaving the company after being accused of sexual misconduct and harassment. Yep. Yeah, I'm I feel like I, I feel I'm like they're cleaning the that's, deck. That's not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to bet that's not something they're going to talk about. Although I here's so here's my question. Should they in an event about their products and about what they're coming out with and about the stuff that they've done? Should they address their own internal issues? I I feel like they should. I feel like the culture of, of the industry is still in a lot of trouble and that um this would be a good step forward saying, yeah. hey, before we get into all this cool stuff and, and all the things that we want to show you guys and all the stuff we're really excited about, we do want to address this. Uh, this is what happened. These are the facts. These are the steps that the company has taken. These are the steps that the people have taken. Do you, do you think that's probably why they did it and why they basically announced it on a Saturday right before this happens? So they can go, look, we have already, you know. Maybe? I, I would like to hope so. Yeah. I would like to hope that's what's going on. Um, so also, um, you can also get a free copy of Watch Dogs 2 for PC. This is basically just for Dave, because by, <laughs> by the time this airs, this event will already have been over. But oh. Dave, you can get Watch Dogs I, 2. I, the- I already have Watch Dogs 2. All right. I've played it. Okay. I believe I reviewed it. I, you might have. I've- after Watch two, Dogs one was better. Four after four hundred plus reviews, <laughs> I just uh, assume we've reviewed everything. Yeah, Watch Dogs two was worse than Watch Dogs one. That that is my stance. Okay, I really enjoyed Watch Dogs one, but like it, I think Watch Dogs two to to recap my review uh, is the same issue with like Grand Theft Auto four versus five. 
I much prefer GTA 4 because I could get behind the character because, like, I could understand gotcha. where he was coming from. Yeah. He wasn't an evil person. He was just, like, trying to survive. He, he was more of, a, like, a, a chaotic, neutral character. Yeah. Um, and in, in Watch Dogs 1, you play this guy who is, like, an expert hacker who's out for revenge for a murder of his child. Or his niece, I think. I don't think it was his kid. It was like his niece and nephew or something like that. Uh, and, and I could totally get behind that. Uh, Watch Dogs 2, you're a bunch of like, quote unquote, oh. white hat hackers out to stop Silicon Valley. Uh, Ubisoft actually just put out a tweet. Yeah? Uh, that says, Ubisoft Forward comes during a time of big internal change. Because of all the content has... Because all the content has been pre-recorded, we wanted to recognize that the issues we're currently dealing with won't be addressed directly in the show. We still have significant work to do and are committed to this process. We will provide more updates soon. Okay. Okay. So... I can I can get behind that. Yeah. No. There's like, look... I mean, they're they're even making the statement like this stuff was pre-recorded. We we can't really. I mean, they could still make a change to it, right? They yeah. drop a new video at the start. Yeah, it's basically take that. Have your CEO in his library full of books. Yep. You know, sit down and basically you know read that tweet before the video starts. Yep. I feel like that if they don't do that, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I mean, they won't. Yeah. They, they, that, that's pretty much what the tweet says, is they won't do that. Ugh. They should. They should, but yes. But, it, I, I mean, I feel like it's better than nothing. I feel like it's better than them just saying silent about it. True. Yeah, because, like, like you and I said, we're all wondering what they're going to say about it. Turns out it was a tweet. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I would much prefer them to do something during the event, but... So other like at least they're they're making an effort. Yes. Other video game news. Uh, the Xbox Game Showcase has been given a date and time. This is going to be for Xbox Series X games. Yes. So this July is most likely 23rd. going to be the internal Xbox Game Studio games. So who is that now? <laughs> I don't know. Like what what games cuz they they still own Halo. Yeah. Right? Let's see, Xbox First Party Studios, Xbox Game Gears Studios. War? No, that's not Xbox. That's I mean, it is, but it's not Microsoft. Uh, 343, Double Fine, uh, Minecraft, Obsidian, Rare. Let's see, Bungie was, uh, became independent. <coughs> Twisted yeah. Pixel became independent. Okay, so Obsidian, though, like, yep. that's that's a thing. Yep. Right, Obsidian Entertainment's really good. Ninja Theory came out with some, some interesting games. They're the Devil May Cry people. Um, yeah, Double Fine is just, you know, Tim Schafer and all that good stuff. Yep. Uh, 343 Studios is Halo. Yep. Uh, the Coalition is Gears of War. Uh, turn 10 is Forza. Oh, Microsoft bought Gears of War from Epic Games. I see. Yep. Okay, so it'll be an event where they're like, here's the new Gears of War, here's the new Halo. Here's the new Forza. You know, kind of... here's, here's something from Minecraft and Double yeah. Fine. Here's so, a new IP that we're working on, maybe? I don't know. We'll Possibly. find out. July 23rd. Two weeks. Uh, pre-show starting at 8 a.m. Pacific. Why? <laughs> oh, 8 a.m. A.m. 8 a.m. Okay. Pacific, I'm like, yes. The f- 
they do it like it's 11 o'clock at night. No, it's not. 8 a.m. Pacific. Okay. Yes. A.M. is in the morning. Mm-hmm. P.M. is the evening. Uh, so that's 10 o'clock a.m. here. The 23rd? The 23rd. What am I doing on the 23rd? That is a Thursday. Thursday, the 23rd. I will be doing teaching a class. Womp womp. Although possibly just producing a class, which means that I would be able to, like, have it on the side. Have it on the side with closed captioning on? Yep. That, that's a possibility. I've, I've done that with Apple Keynotes. I've done that with uh, Samsung Keynotes. I've, I've done that with SpaceX launches. Yep. Yeah, it's always funny when your boss suddenly sends you a message and it's a YouTube link and you're like, oh, yeah, SpaceX launch. Let me turn that on. I might have to catch the highlights later. Sometimes that's all you need. You catch the highlights and you're like, really? This was a three hour keynote? What the hell were right. you doing for the other well, two hours and 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, just talk about how cool we are. That's that's pretty much it. Right. That's that's how keynotes go. You've seen these things, Andy. Yes, I know. You've been to these. You know what they're like. Yeah. Go watch a Todd Howard keynote. <sighs> so speaking of Epic. Yeah. Sony Sony has now just invested $250 million into Epic Games. That's a big bet. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, okay, we're, we're looking at stock, right? Sony bought stock. It's not like they, they um, just donated money to Epic Games. Yeah, they are acquiring a minority interest in the company now. Huh. But $250 million, so, basically my guess is because they uh, have Unreal Engine 5 running on the PlayStation 5. Mm. But, I mean, that's like saying that, oh no, I can't give that example because Microsoft does own Xbox. Um, <laughs> it's like Xbox buying part of Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, so so what do they get out of this? It's not like it's going to give them access to things, right? They're still going to have to purchase stuff. The two companies recently collaborated in the gaming space on a trailer debuting Unreal Engine 5. Uh, Sony CEO and president says, Epic's powerful technology in areas such as graphics places them at the forefront of game engine development with Unreal Engine and other innovations. Through our investment, we will explore opportunities for further collaboration with Epic to delight and bring value to consumers and the industry at large, not only in games, but also across the rapidly evolving digital entertainment landscape. Okay. So there, it's kind of like somebody investing in Levi during the gold rush. Sure, that's the best that I. That's the best analogy I can think of. It's not somebody you know actually pining for. Granted, Epic Games probably still you know can pine for gold, but then you know they're investing in the company that sells everybody equipment, and they assume that's where the real money's going to be. So they're just hoping on like the share price going up. Probably, yeah. Okay, I mean. The Unreal 5 coming out is, is going to be a big thing, mm-hmm. right? All the AAA whatevers uh, run off of Unreal. Yes. And and not just those, like, because Unreal 4 was basically released to the public. You had to buy, like, better features if you wanted the better features of it, but you could develop. I think you could just develop on it. Am I making that up? I, I don't know. Unreal 4 license. Unreal Engine is a complete suite of creation tools. License fee is free to use and incurs 5% royalties when you monetize your game. And your lifetime gross revenues from that product exceed $1 million. So it is free to use 
up to the first million dollars. <laughs> After that, it is a 5% royalty. I assume the 5% applies to the first million as well. I don't know, but Dave, what I need you to do is, you know, build a really nice game and then we can find out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their their source code for Unreal 4 is published on GitHub, which is really cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Ready for you to access. How do I access it? You sign up and then you go to unrealengine.com with your verified stuff and you publish some stuff and you get access to the source code on GitHub. Uh, Unreal Engine for creators is 100% royalty free. You can use it to create internal or free projects. Oh, and the same will be true for Unreal 5. That's kind of cool. God, could you imagine going to, like, someone in the industry, say, 30 years ago, and say, the top-of-the-line engine will be available for anyone to use free of charge? That seems so weird. Right? The, the like, foundation of the game will be free to use for everyone. Okay, so Sony's buying a, a non-controlling share, right? Minority stake. Mm-hmm. But still, that's a lot of money. It's a quarter of a billion dollars. Yep. Jeez. Okay. Speaking of money, though, since yeah, launching four years got? ago today, well, on the 6th, four years ago on the 6th, Pokemon Go was launched. Yep. It has grossed $3.6 billion. Gross. Gross. Not net, nope. gross. Yes. Okay. So under a billion dollars a year. Yes. But still. Now that is from, that's estimated, right? Because Niantic doesn't release their numbers. Yes. Uh, It's estimated from player expenditures. Yes. So that does not include partnerships. Yep. Does not include revenue from third-party Andrew stores in China or other regions. So it could be most, it probably is higher by a significant margin. Yes. Because, like, Starbucks partnered with them, right? Starbucks has these sponsored stops. Yes. Jeez. $3.6 billion? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. The question then becomes... I still play. Okay. Yeah, what's what's the... Yeah. Do you got a community day coming up? Probably. Because <laughs> I know Harry uh, Potter is, had theirs yesterday, so... What is the next... Uh, there's, I mean, there's GoFest coming up this month. Oh, uh, and they moved that entirely virtual, but you still have to buy a ticket to it. It's like $15 per ticket. Pokemon Go Community Day, July 2020. It is a ghastly day, and it is on July 19th, right during the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, but but by then, that's next week, right? That's a week from today. Yes. Uh, I, I guess it's worth saying now, I think we mentioned it last week, like the, the podcast may or may not be taking a little bit of a hiatus. We shall see. In the near future. So, you know, it's during the podcast time, but like, who knows if we'll, we'll actually be recording. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, no, it's that like they've been doing community days. That's still a thing. Um GoFest is coming up, and so they'll make a bucket of money on that. Oh, man, I can't imagine how much they're going to pull in on that because there's lowered physical expenses. How much do you think it costs them to rent Grant Park in downtown Chicago for a weekend? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. Like, that is a lot of money. Plus the facilities, plus the they have to, like, contract with all the, the wire, the um, mobile carriers. 
because we know what that looked like looked like two years ago, three years ago. Yep. <clears throat> Ooh, eggs will require a quarter hatch distance during the event period. Holy crap. 10k eggs would hatch in two and a half k. Um, she's four billion dollars though. I wonder how much Niantic gets to keep. I don't know. How much of that gross goes directly to the Pokemon company? I don't know. Especially now also what Niantic's also doing Catan now. Yep. They're doing, so they've got their own game, Ingress. Yep. They've got Harry Potter with Warner Brothers. They've got Pokemon with TPCI. And now they have Catan. It has, it's not even out yet, right? It's still like Niantic Catan. Catan, worldexplorers.com. Hey, there's a website for it now. You can pre-register. Uh, except, yep, the world is your game board. Upcoming MMO augmented reality game transforms the entire Earth into one giant game of Catan. Harvest, trade, and build in the real world as cities and landmarks transform into settlements where you can collect resources, construct buildings, and score points for your faction. Uh Uh-oh. Sign up for updates. So that's with the Catan Company. I got to scroll all the way back for my date of birth, really. Oh, you're signing up? Yes. You, you I'd be like, great if I could in. just select today and then just change the year. Or you could just type it in. Oh, well, I'm already pre-registered now. Okay. <laughs> I suppose I will too. Region, United States. Submit. Cool. You are now pre-registered for Catan World Explorers. Uh, okay, what else we got? Uh... WoW made an update. Yep. Well, um, it's going to be coming out with the new expansion. Yeah, you will be able to change it. Hmm. So change the gender, I think, is actually the wrong thing. You get to change the sex. Your gender was not decided by the, the system, yeah. right? I mean, I guess your pronouns are question mark if they use pronouns anywhere in there. Probably somewhere in the quest log. There's like he's and she's. I don't know, but yeah, no, it was every, every, all, all other physical appearance changes were in the in-game barbershop except for changing the gender slash sex, which required yeah. a purchase of a $15 appearance change. And now they're like, ah, uh, nope, we're just going to make that free. In the new expansion. Yeah, in Shadowlands. <laughs> yes. It's not something we can easily hotfix, it's something that we're going to have in Shadowlands itself. But when... They release Shadowlands, as they've done with their previous expansions. Whether you buy Shadowlands or not, you still get the the update. Oh, When you buy the expansion, what you get is access to the content. Like, you can still play WoW. Yes. You just can't go to the Shadowlands area. But there's still updates. Right. Yep. I mean, otherwise, (laughs) that kind of sucks. You're like, yeah, we totally changed how stats work for the people who bought the update. Wait, what? Hmm. Okay. I hear a lot of laughter in the back. Yeah. Um, there's going to uh, be a Sims TV show. Why? Why? EA has partnered with TBS to produce a new reality competition show centered around The Sims. Why? I don't know. It's only going to be four episodes, though. So. Is, is it, like, someone playing The Sims? Because if you do that with, like, real people, it's, it's not The Sims. It's just watching people. All online personalities from the Sims community will be 12 contestants competing in various design challenges within the Sims to impress a panel of celebrity judges. Okay, so it is within the Sims. Yes. It's it's not a Sims TV show. It's a, a competition show 
where the competition is The Sims. Yes. And it's the, like, YouTubers and streamers who play The Sims who are going to be competing for something. Yes. Which, which to me, doesn't sound like much of a TV show so much as a, like, we made this video series and have no other place to put it. Yeah, especially four episodes on TBS on Fridays at 11 p.m., which is one yeah. of the graveyard time slots. Yeah. Who the hell is watching TBS at Friday at 11 p.m.? I don't know. It's that's one of the yeah, that's a that's a graveyard time slot. My guess is because TBS needs content. I yeah, I guess so. With, you know, t- but like show production kind of at a standstill still. I, I feel like this would be just as successful on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Or Twitch. Sure. Right? Yep. Like, there are tons of of tournaments and competitions. That's what this is. It's not a TV show. It's a competition. The series... They they are just... Happen to put it on TBS for reasons. Because they need content. I guess... Man, TBS must be paying them a crap ton of money. There's... People are scrambling. There's, There's been talk of, like, CBS, ABC, NBC, those type of things. They're, like, pulling stuff from like the cw pulling uh programs from their canadian yep affiliations because they're like shit we don't have content we need to put things on television pick up college humor that's that's what they should do they should just like pick up college humor they already did adam ruins everything (laughs) yeah oh man i i signed up for dropout because I've, i've got caught on youtube with like um best of 2017 2018 2019 college humor stuff yeah and holy crap some of their stuff is funny oh yeah and and like watching these anthologies i'm like this stuff is really good and i want to support this group because they you know had to close down lord only knows where that money is going to go now but i signed up for dropout and we started watching dimension 20 and it's friggin hilarious What's the Air Force doing? Uh, the Air Force is looking to replace the F-16. Yeah. And they're going to replace the F-16. Let's see, F-16. When did the F-16 come out? Uh, that's what I'm looking at. F-16. First flight, 1974. Wow, that's an old plane. Yeah, that is an old... 46 years ago. For, yeah, first official flight. Introduced August 17th, 1978. 41 years ago. So yes, they're looking to retire the F-16. I mean, they're still building them, right? The planes that are flying now are not the ones that were built 40 years ago. Yes. It's also a really well-designed plane. Yes. It is the world's Uh, most numerous fixed-wing aircraft in military service. I don't doubt that. Yeah. Like, all of NATO uses it. Yes. It's it's so light. Like, my favorite fact about the F-16 is its thrust is stronger than the drag. Yeah, that's why you can fly the thing upside down. <laughs> upside down, nothing. You can fly it vertically. The F-16 can accelerate straight up. <laughs> but yes, no, it's 40 years old. The Air, the Air Force is looking for a replacement for it. And the replacement is going to be an operational combat drone uh, known as Skyborg. Oh, no. Why? No. <sighs> okay. Skyborg. Skyborg. Made by Boeing. Right. <laughs> no. 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 
Good lord, stop making things with that company until they've done a thorough review. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, Someone's no, okay. going to forget to review the fail-safes, and the damn thing's going to go sentient, and then we're screwed. Oh, oh okay, um... It's not actually official yet. Uh, the I think the name is going to be let's see, Droney McDronerson. I think it's it's still in development phase, so they've put out basically contract competitions. Okay, so Boeing might be the one to do it. Yes. Okay. Yeah the 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 Boeing one is one of several potential members of the Skyborg UAS family. So it's going to be an overarching thing, but it's going to be a drone that can handle air-to-air combat, basically. And, like, that's interesting. It, I wonder if... I guess you, you'd, get, you'd have to get some improvements. The F-16 is a weird fighter, because the, the limiting factor in an F-16 is the person in the cockpit. Right. If you look at some of the, the stunts that the Thunderbirds pull, they're pulling like nine G turns. Yeah, which will knock you out if you're not prepared for it. If, and if you don't have a pressure suit for it, like yes. you need to have some pretty serious shit on to, to handle this stuff. And if you remove that, if you put in just a drone, that that could be that could be very different. <laughs> Hi, Isaac. <laughs> Right, so that's coming up here, but uh, yes, I need to uh, need to move this along, so can we hit the randoms? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's your review. Yes, my review, I'm going to review Project Repat. Um, so, Project I've been... Repat. I was cleaning out my closet. Yeah. Reorganizing my closet, as we, you know, we talked about with my closet organizer. Yeah. Um, and I came across a huge pile of shirts that I had from running. Yeah. And the question was, what do I do with all these shirts? So I had like 40 of them. Yeah. And I've already, you know, they're they're all racing shirts, so they've all got, you know, racing. Some sentimental value. Yes. So how do, but 40 shirts is a lot of shirts. Yeah. Um. So uh, I belong to one of the Detroit Free Press Marathon Facebook groups, and somebody posted on there, it's like, hey guys, what are you doing with all your old shirts? And I'm like, well, this is right up the alley. Let me fu- <laughs> like, let me sign up what, for your what newsletter. Are, what are people doing with their shirts? I'm very curious. And a lot of people talked about making T-shirt quilts out of them. Yeah. And I thought, hey, that'd be a perfect idea. But my sewing capabilities are extremely rusty, and I don't have, you know, I don't have a sewing machine here. You also don't have a lot of, like, spare time. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a recurring theme for the last, oh, I don't know, three years? Yeah. Somewhere um, about that? Yes. So somebody pointed out these guys called Project Repat, and um, they also had, uh, it was actually, they said it was, it was cheap, it was a quick turnaround, and so I, uh, I got myself a t-shirt quilt from Project I mean, Repat. So cheap, the, but like, the queen size is almost $200. Well, yes, but that is also how many uh, how many shirts is that size? Forty sides. Yes. So the idea is that the part of the that it cuts down on the the pricing and everything is that you have to do some work ahead of time. Do they want you to cut the shirts for them? Yes, you cut the shirts in half. So you have a front half and a back half, and you send in the half that you want turned into a quilt. Okay. So I had... Um, so you made 
a quilt. Yeah. So I, you know, I took a pa- nice new pair of, you know, fabric scissors, cut, I think I had uh, like 32 t-shirts or something like that, because I, sa- I saved all my Detroit, my Detroit Marathon ones. Those yeah. are in my closet that, you know, every time I go into my closet, I see those, you know, right. I feel like that's a better thing than having, you know, those added with all my 5K and, you know, 10K t-shirts. Right. Um. So uh, it was quick. You know, I did some stuff there. I also, uh, like, they as soon as you go to the website, it's a 15% off coupon. There were mm-hmm. other places where I found a 40% off coupon. Oh, well, okay then. Yeah, so 40% off the thing there was, you know. Yeah, I just, that's, that makes it a bit more. I'm still looking at this $200. I'm like, that is a lot for a quilt. But if it's 40% off of that, you're, it's what, like 120 bucks. Yeah. For a queen-size quilt. That's not too bad. It's still kind of pricey. But how's the quality? Uh, it's it's t-shirts on one side, and it's a nice uh, felt backing on the other. Okay. It's Kate, uh, Kate says it's very soft. Does it is it warm? Is it have warm? you used it? It's the middle of summer. It's it's you know it's the t-shirt layer on one side and a felt backing on the other, so it's you know. Yeah. Well, but there's also some sort of stuffing, I assume. Not. Is there any really big stuffing in there? No. Not there's, really. There's no stuffing. So it's not really a, 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 like guess a, what, a quilt, but it's not like a duvet, right? It's not no. like a, a, okay. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't want this in like middle of Michigan and Wisconsin winter as your primary source of heat. No, this is, this is kind of like those, you know, those micro fleece blankets that you can see at the stores. It's kind of like that, okay. but it's t-shirts on one side, on one side. Okay. So it's, yeah. So like a fall blanket. Yeah. All right. Neat. But this is also done entirely in the U.S. by, you know, groups that have, uh, I think one of them is like a co-op also, one of the places that they use. So, you know, it's... Interesting. Yeah. So they they don't have a central place that they do this at. They have have two places, I do believe. Okay. Crafted by designers, cutters, and sewers earning a fair and living wage in the U.S. How much is that living wage? Is that... $7.50 some cents living wage or like $15 living wage? I don't know. Oh, it's called repat because I was wondering why it's repat. It's repatriate, like to to bring back to the U.S. because they're bringing the textile jobs back to the U.S. Yes. Okay. It's it's cute. Do you get to decide like which t-shirt goes where or do they do that? Um, You can. They have, um, they basically have like, you know, upsells okay um and and is the upsell they design it or is it that you design it i don't know which one they would charge more for well um it's base plan is they just pick the the things willy-nilly but then you can also get um like i sent mine in and they're like hey you know we can do the smaller size here but you know i think it was uh, how much was it it was they said you know it would be work better if we actually made a larger panel size so rather than 12 by 12 they did 14 by 14 mm-hmm. and that was an upcharge for that yeah it was 20 bucks for the upsize to go from a 12 by 12 to a 14 by 14 grid and i'm like ah why not okay so yeah they have you know they have upsells available yeah upgrades here we go Design the layout of your quilt, add a personal message to your quilt, and other upgrades. So They're also making face masks. Oh, well, that's good. Out of shirts? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you've got, you know, sentimental t-shirts and you're trying to figure out what to do, this is a good option. And like I said, you can probably scour around online to find some nice discounts. Yep. 
like I did said, did you use like Honey to find the discounts, or did you just search Project Repat discount code? I think somebody in the Facebook group had mentioned the forty percent off discount, and so okay. I would probably I would probably have to dig through the Facebook group to find it, but they're out there. So okay, cool. So yes, Project Repat uh, for those random... T-shirts that you uh, just you want to keep, but you don't want to store. I mean, you still have to store it somewhere. Yes. And, but, and storing a large blanket also takes space. Well, it's currently stored on the couches in the other room. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> because, random you know, topic. Yeah. Random topic. Hey, come on. Yeah, I know. Let's Roll go. ahead of time. Random yeah. topic is, what character are you in the book Animal Farm? I have not actually Whoa. read Animal... Co- I haven't read Animal Farm. I've read 1984, really? but I have not read Animal Farm. I'm actually in the exact opposite position. I've read Animal Farm a long time ago, but I read it. Uh, but I have not read 1984. So Animal Farm uh, was was explicitly not the story of the Soviet Union, except it totally was. Um, God, I don't know who I'd be. <laughs> the book tells the story of a group of farm animals who rebel against their human farmer, hoping to create a society where the animals can be equal, free, and happy. I have a feeling that doesn't turn out that way. It, it, well, Andy, how did the Soviet Union turn out? Well, people suck. So, does not turn out well. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the so, like, if you go to, to Wikipedia and you search Animal Farm, there's a section on the characters, and it tells you who the character is and who their, like, real-life parallel is. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I've never read this. I'm, I would have to actually read the book to give you an honest opinion. Probably Benjamin, the pessimistic donkey. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I got nothing. Like, I'm trying to think of who, who you would be. Who would Andy be? In the Soviet Revolution, who's Andy? Are you Lenin? Are you Stalin? You're not Stalin. No. None of us are Napoleon. The, the pig's name was Napoleon. That was Stalin. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I don't I feel know. like the American people are boxer right now. <laughs> Like that's that's kind of our our lot, which is also what was supposed to be in in the show. Like that was the Russian people. Oh. Boxer was the physical um, workforce, and and they worked him to death, and then sold him to buy more. Yep. Nope. I'm I'm running blind on this one, so I'll have to read the book, and you know, time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, although I hear that you're you're also going to have like a bunch of like new found free time where you know you have to like be up for something, but that thing doesn't take a whole lot of active activity. I don't know. That's what I hear from other my my other friends who also have kids, young kids, very young kids. One of them played a whole lot of Hearthstone. Hearthstone, no, Civ Civ uh, Civ Six. He played a ton of Civ Six the first couple months because he's like yeah because I, I can take a turn with the kid in my arm and then I, when I need to get up I get up but he just left Civ 6 running 24 hours a day 7 days a week sure right alright so you gotta go take care of stuff yep and yeah nope I have no idea on this one so uh, on that okay. that's a wrap this has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast if you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you.